0: We thank you for your peace and your mercy that has followed us, that has chased after us this year, Lord. I pray this morning, God, that we would be found in your grace, Lord, that we would be found at the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you center us? Would you realign us this morning? Would you stir our hearts for faithfulness to you again? Would you call us back to first love, to loving you with all of our soul, heart, mind, and strength? And to love our neighbor as ourself. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit. That you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so as I've just been praying about our community and thinking about you guys, I, I feel like the Lord just gave me good perspective. A little bit of my perspective, perspective is from my experience. And so... Part of my journey is uh, I'm originally from Muncie, Indiana. Uh, I moved to Lakeland, went to Florida Southern, played basketball uh, for four years. I got connected with Heart of the Father and Jeremiah really early on. Um, that was when we just had a service on a Thursday night and it was at his house, and eventually they got a building, and so I was just uh, just there to serve and be a blessing and um, the church grew and um, things shifted and things changed for the good, and uh, so I was just a part of that journey for, um, for, so Heart of the Father's been up for about seven years, for about five of those years I was here in the early stages, and, um, and so here for the first five years or so, and then I leave for two years, go down to Stewart, my wife and I were called into ministry down in Stewart, and I come back and, um, and just, I just see the change in the shifts. And uh, the Lord had given me a dream uh, in 2010, 2011, and uh, in this dream, I remember I had just gotten back to Lakeland. I had, in the dream, I had been, I'd been gone for about two or three years, and I just got back. And I come in the sanctuary, and I just remember it was a lot. It was really big. It was bigger than what I could remember. And I just began to pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, what, what are you doing here? and What's going on? And I even began to ask, Lord, what are the weak areas? And the Lord began to speak to me about some of the areas that need to be strengthened. And that was in 2010 and 11. And so it was an unusual dream because I was still here in Lakeland, a part of this community. And I said, what was unusual is that I felt like I had been gone for a period of time and had come back. Well, then come 2015, my wife and I go to Stewart. And then we eventually get a call from Jeremiah, and we come back. And as we're coming back, I'm discussing with the elders just my role here and what it looks like. And the Lord quickened me to that dream. And he said, Brandon, in that dream, I had called you to come and strengthen uh, the weak areas. And so part of my role here in this community, I want to come and I want to strengthen what is weak. I want to build up the areas that are maybe lacking and part of that comes from my perspective. And so my perspective is this, and I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me, is that I think that there are, I don't know a number or percentage, but I, I think there are a good amount of people in our community who, who sometimes they feel lost here. And what I mean by that is that we are, here at Heart of the Father, it's a unique church because we have a lot of, of men of God who are part of major movements and who come and who release words and who release destiny over people and prophecy dreams and visions and all these things and the questions of where where do I belong you know am I am I prophetic or not yeah i'm more pastoral i sometimes am I an intercessor Am I evangelistic? I got a word about, you know, we got a conference coming up, the Watchmen Arise conference. Am I a watchman? I mean, for, for the five years I was here, that was my struggle. Just, Lord, where, where do I fit in this whole thing? And I know there are some of us here this morning, we're here, but we're not here. We're a part of this body, but we're just kind of watching, and maybe I'll get a word. Maybe I'll eventually, I'll just maybe stumble upon where I belong. But the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me and say, Brandon, I want you to speak from some of your perspective on finding your place and where you belong. So this was my struggle. And so I said, Lord, what do you want me to say to your people? And he told me, it's very simple, very clear. My message this morning was pretty much what was said in worship and during communion is that what brings us all together in this community is the gospel. What brings you and the person next to you and the person sitting behind you and in front of you, what brings us all together is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know we all have different graces and functions, we have, we have things in us that maybe we desire intercession and prayer a little more than maybe evangelism and outreach. There's things that maybe we're bent to, but I believe this morning that the Lord wants to speak to us all, and he wants to be very clear that the gospel is the main attraction. The cross of Jesus Christ is central. It is the theme. You look at all the, the major movements in the body of Christ throughout history. There's one main thing in the center, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is his cross. It is Jesus on a cross dying for our sins. Romans 1.1, Paul says something. He says, I've been, he says he's been separated to the gospel. What does your life look like this morning? Moving into next year, I know it's time to plan, time to think about this past year, moving forward, what we want to focus in on. Paul says he was separated to the gospel. Is that how you see your life this morning? Do we see ourselves separated to the gospel, or do we see ourselves separated to a certain thing about the gospel? But as the Lord is speaking to me, I'm like, Lord, I said, this is kind of boring, like, Being honest, like, okay, we all come together around the gospel. We've heard it. We know it. Or is that just me? Maybe I'm the only one. Well, so Timothy Keller says something very intriguing. Here's what he has to say about believers and the gospel. He says, many people think the gospel is baby stuff, that it is the elementary doctrines of Christianity that it is for non-believers and new Christians that don't know the basics. Many people think that, think that it is not for the seasoned and mature believers. But there are implications of the gospel in every area of your life. You see, the gospel is not the ABCs or the baby stuff of Christianity, but it is the lens through which we see the world. So the gospel is more than the ABCs, it's more than just the basics, it's more than just for the new believers or the non-believers. But I wonder how many of us really, really believe that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for the mature. Those who have been in Christ for 40, 30 years now, would you say the gospel is for you, is for the mature, is for the seasoned? And not just for the the infants. So there's a couple of questions that Tim Keller began to ask that I want to ask us this morning. To maybe help uh, see the implications of the gospel. So we, we talk about the gospel. We talk about Jesus on a cross. And we honestly, we think about it. Okay, that was back when I gave my life to Jesus. For me, that was about 10 years ago. That's when the gospel, that's what it's for. It's for that 10 years ago. But moving forward, I'm good. I need to move on to other things. But he says this. He says, Is your attitude? He asks these questions Is your attitude toward your job in line with the gospel? Is the way you spend your money in line with the gospel? Is your family relationships in line with the gospel? Is your attitude toward the poor and needy in line with the gospel? Is your attitude toward the church in line with the gospel? Is the way you handle conflict in line with the gospel? Is the way you raise your children in line with the gospel? Is the way you deal with your past in line with the gospel? Are your political views in line with the gospel? So we see the gospel, it's, as he said, it's a, it's a worldview through which we see the world. It's a belief system through which we see the world. We have to break off the mindset that it was just my history when I gave my life to him. But now the gospel, it's the theme. The cross in Jesus Christ is what we have to live from and move from at all times. Someone once said the cross is the center of the world's history. And so what I want to uh, communicate this morning, I want to communicate that if you look at your life, and you look at maybe the grace on your life, and you look at the function on your life, you look at your calling, what God has called you to do, I want to convince you that the gospel and that the cross of Christ is what is compelling you. It's what is calling you to itself. It's calling you to Christ. I know for me, there were many times I was frustrated because I was like, God, I, I don't know my calling. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I got these words about this and that and the other. And I would wrestle many nights, many days. Talk to my friends. I'd get jealous about because they're called to this and that. And I didn't know where I actually would fit in and where I belonged. And the Lord just began to speak to me. Brandon, I've separated you to the gospel. Paul would say in Corinthians I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. He didn't say, I want to be a part of the next big movement of this and that. It was the cross. It was Jesus Christ. So I have an example I want to, to go through real quick. I need some volunteers here. Come on up. I need eight volunteers. Come on up. Come on up if you're a volunteer. Not everyone at once. Here we go. Just eight. Just eight. Actually, you know, I think I need nine. Sorry. I need nine. Okay. So there's this thing. Um, I just, the Lord, I was asking the Lord, what is it? I want a picture, Lord. Show me something. I want to see something. Um, uh, you mean when I say the gospel is the center or the gospel is, that, is the main attraction, like, Lord, give me an example. Show me what you mean. Is there nine up here? Okay. Good. Good. So the Lord began to speak to me, and, and so I had to look up some science terms. Anybody good with science? No one. <laughs> Come on. Okay, good. That means no one can correct me if I'm wrong here. So in, in, the, in the science world, you have what they call the center of gravity. And then you have what they call a gravitational force. And so the center of gravity, it's the point of balance in an object. It's the point where majority or all of the mass is located. For example, the earth, the center of the earth, the middle, the core of the earth is the center of gravity. It's the balance point. It's where it would say all the mass or majority of the mass appears to be. And then you have the gravitational force. The gravitational force, it's a pulling it's, a fo- it's an invisible force that pulls things to the center. So if you look at planet Earth, the center of gravity is what, it's in the center, but the gravitational pull is what keeps you and me on the ground. So when we try to jump, we come back down pretty quickly because there's a force that pulls it. All right, volunteer number one, come hold this right here. So here we have the gospel. Slide out right there. The gospel is the center of gravity. Volunteer number two. You're going to stand it in front of him, a couple feet. Just right there. Love. So we know love is an element of the gospel. Okay, I wrote Romans 5.5. 5, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Truth. Come stand just a little bit behind them. So we have truth. What's the scripture with this? James 8.32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Next one. Oh boy. Judgment. <laughs> Come stand right here. Our scripture here, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Slide back a little bit. Next one. Mercy. Scripture for mercy. Hebrews 4.6, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Next one. Grace. Stand right here. What's it say? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Next one. Holiness. Come stand right here. Come stand right here. Holiness. Hebrews twelve fourteen. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Comfort. <laughs> yes. Comfort. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. And the ne- last one here, fire. Come on. For our God is a, con- our God is a consuming Fire. So I want us to picture this as this a circle. I know it's, it's kind of a square, but that's okay, but picture this as a circle. A lot of times what you so the Lord's showing me, the gospel is the center of gravity. And the Holy Spirit is the gravitational force that keeps all these things in balance in our life. So a lot of times what we'll do is say, "Hey, brother, you hold us up high. I just love, 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 and love, love, love. I'm going to build everything off of love. And so then, put that down. When you hear a little bit of this, you're offended. (laughs) You hear the truth, you get a little upset, you get stirred up. You're frustrated. You put it down. You raise this one up. Okay, I'm a grace guy. I love the grace of God. Don't worry about how you live. Just grace, brother, and grace. But then you have over here intention with it, holiness. God says, you be holy for I am holy. Okay, you can put those down. What do we have here? Comfort. <laughs> Hold it high. <laughs> Comfort. How many of us like to be comforted? I know I do. But sometimes not every moment is a time of comfort. What if it's a time of fire? Yes. Judgment. So we know we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But judgment is intention with mercy. So you look at your life, you look at the Lord building you up, the Lord teaching you and showing you things, we have to remember the gospel is the center of gravity. My message this morning, I titled it, I just didn't tell you, but it's called The Gravity of the Gospel. Psalm 85, 10. If you read Psalm 85, it is a a psalm about the redemption of the Lord. It's a psalm about him redeeming us. So it's a prophetic picture of Christ. Well, Psalm 85, verse 10, it says this. It says, Steadfast love and truth meet together, righteousness and peace kiss each other. What's he saying? The Lord is saying in the gospel of Jesus Christ, all these things meet together. We don't have to pick and choose. In my five years here, early on, don't tell the elders this. No, they're not here, so kind of say whatever. Cut the live stream, we're going (laughs) to. But a lot of times, and I, I know as people in this room feel the same way, we're in tension over these truths. Some of us are a, man, I just want to comfort people. I just want to love them. He's the God of all comfort. Our brother next to us, no, brother, put him in the fire. (laughs) Light him up. Our God is a consuming fire. Somebody comes to you and confesses their sin. Just release the judgment of God over them. (laughs) They need it. They've come to you too much about it. Over here, no, brother, mercy. Show them mercy. And we can go on and on. But I want to make this clear that part of the gospel being the center of gravity is that the Holy Spirit is the one, he's the force, he's the pull that keeps all these truths in place. So if your relationship with the Holy Spirit is non-existent, guess what you'll do? Man, I feel like I need love. So we just go over here. Let's just build our whole life in Christ on this right here. That's it. Anybody come too close, you back up. But the importance of determining the center of gravity Is that you you have to determine it because if you don't, you will get out of balance. Come back. You will get out of balance. And that's good, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Give it up for the volunteers here. So that pic, that's a picture of what it means for the cross to be the center of your life. Now we can take this example. Now those are just I would call those things kingdom truths. Those are all truths in the Bible, and you maybe put you know some more important than the other. But those are kingdom truths centered around the gospel. You can even take this example and talk about kingdom movements. So. Kingdom movement. An illustration of that would be: you have on one side you have prayer and intercession; other side evangelism. Which camp are you in? That's kind of what we maybe do here sometimes. Oh, you're you're. Oh, you're intercession. Okay. Oh, you. Out, okay, you're outreach. Another movement you could say: corporate services, meetings here at the church. Or you're maybe a life group, home group person. One side, I love meeting corporate meetings. It's awesome. other side, I love home groups. Too many church meetings. Just just meeting homes. That's it. Those are tensions that we have here. Another one. Church reformation. We need to get things right in the church. Church reformation. Let's get things in order here. On the other side, social justice. Which camp do you want to be in? Last example, and there, there are many more examples. You could come up with a whole lot. But another one would be the Holy Spirit and his ministry and him moving and him flowing. And the other camp would say, it's the word, brother, just the word. That's it. But once again though, in the middle, in the middle of this is what? It is the gospel. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's what you have been separated to, more than you being separated to a certain biblical theme or a church movement. Those are great. I love them. I love it. I'm, I'm watching. I'm waiting upon the Lord and what He is doing throughout the earth. He's doing so many things. This is not me bashing a prophetic word about what God is going to do and what he is doing. This is me just making and reminding us what the main thing is. And it is the gospel, and it is Jesus Christ. For so long, I was frustrated because we get a lot of people, a lot of men of God and, and ministers who come, our conferences and our you know, our talk here, God is doing this, God is doing that, and there's, he's always doing something, and, and this guy's anointed to do this, and his gifting, and that gifting, and that function, and this function, and I'm like, well, Lord, where do I fit? I'm like the, the, the least of all, the least gifted. I don't even know. Do I have a prophetic spirit? I don't know. I dream like once a month. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. We get in a tiff, and we just, we're like a dog chasing its tail. Wondering where do we fit in? And the Lord is saying this morning, you fit right in the center of the gospel. You fit in. So if you don't feel like you fit in here, I'm here to say this morning, you fit in. All this frustration and tension of wh- which one am I in, let it go. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. I think about... <laughs> I think about like stay at home moms and, um, you know, some people who just work, you know, you you work at the gas station or Walmart and, you know, you hear these messages of like a prophetic messenger. And you're like, well, hold on, I'm a stay at home mom. How do I even like translate that into my, to parent, you know, where's the connection? The connection is the gospel. The connection is the cross of Jesus Christ. Am I making sense? I just I want to give some language because, like I said, from experience, these were thoughts that I had. These were tensions I walked in, and by the grace of God, I I stumbled through it, and I'm still stumbling through it. But I want to help us this morning. And so we talk about Christ being the foundation, Christ being the center. I even asked the question, "What does that mean?" What does it mean for Jesus Christ to be the foundation of your life, to be the center of your life? In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about it. The center, the foundation, I think it means two things. Two things are implied by this. One is that if Christ is your foundation, if he's your center, it's because of who he is. So for Christ to be your foundation, who he is as a person and as a God is very important. The second thing would be is what he says. So who he is, what he says has to be at the core of your life in Christ. Thankfully, Peter, we look at him as an example. He helped reveal both of these truths. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then in John 6, many disciples desert Jesus after he shares a hard saying. He looks at them and say, do you want to go also? And they say, no, Jesus, where have we to go? You have the words of eternal life. So when you look at your life in Christ, who he is and what he says has to be at the core. So in your worst moments, some of you may have had the worst year in your life this year. Well, all that does is going to reveal who do you say that he is and what does he say. Those two things will always come in place, no matter how horrible your life is or how awesome your life is. You can never soar higher than who he is and what he says. Hopefully, you should never fall lower than who he is and what he says. So the cross So I've had a question I've been asking myself and preparing a message is what happened to making much of the cross? what happened? I used to picture myself sit, you know sitting at the feet of Jesus at his cross and then life kind of happens, we move on, and we don't make much of it anymore. Matt Chandler, here's what he has to say about the Christian and the gospel. This is very, and this is a guy speaking out of experience, years of experience, and walking with the Lord. This caught my attention so much. He said this, he said, Over the years, I have become painfully aware that people tend to drift away from the gospel soon after conversion, and begin to try their hand at sanctification. In other words, they operate as if the gospel saves them, but doesn't play a role in sanctifying them. Who is that in here? In the end, people become exhausted and miss out on the joy of knowing and walking with the Spirit of God. They miss out on intimacy with Jesus. I'm going to read it again. Over the years, I've become painfully aware that people tend to drift away from the gospel soon after conversion and begin their hand at sanctification. You know, if you look in the gospels and you look at Paul's, specifically more so Paul's writings, you ever notice how much he preaches the gospel to believers? In Romans chapter 1, he says, I'm ready to be with you so that I can preach the gospel. It's like, hold on, Paul, you're talking to believers. They're good. Corinthians, he does the same thing. Read Ephesians, read Colossians, read Galatians. Paul is literally, he'll go, he'll plant a church, establish leadership, preach the gospel. He'll go away for a couple years. He'll come back. He'll preach the gospel again and he'll go away, and he'll come back and preach. Then he'll write a letter saying, hey, are you living in the gospel? Why does he do that? There's just something something about our hearts. We think the gospel is foolishness. When really, the world should think it's foolishness. But something has crept into the church, has crept into our hearts where we say, Lord, the gospel is foolishness. It doesn't work. And say for a good amount of years now, I, can, I got this. I don't need your help. I can do it. I know, the, I know the one, two, three step to the next thing. To deliverance, to inner healing, to getting a prayer. I know this stuff. I don't need the gospel. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Holy Spirit, separate us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. Let me remind you, he's writing to believers. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you were saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you. Hold on, let's read it again. I want to point out a couple things here. Moreover, moreover brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, what's he talking about here He's talking about the gospel who's he writing to here believers which also you received that's past tense right Allison English major he's saying you received it in the past right okay you guys aren't seeing it here with me Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received. Is that past, present, or future? Past. Good job. Teacher, is that good? All right. So he preached the gospel to them in the past. He goes on to say, and in which you stand. Is that past, present, or future? Present. Present. Okay, so I got saved 10 years ago. Okay, so I guess I'm standing in the gospel now, according to the scripture. And then verse 2, by which also you are saved. Is it past, present, or future? I think it's future. Past, present, future. Future. You and your life in Christ and the gospel, it's past, present, and future. It's all the above. But a lot of times we don't see it that way. We see it as its history. What Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago was great. It's awesome. I know Revelation 4 and 5, it talks about freshly slain wounds in his hands, and that's, that's cool, a good analogy. But then we look at our life and we just think history, the cross 10, 20 years ago. Now I'm just part of a local church just i read my bible and just gotta suck it up and just move on and just do it but the lord this morning he just wants to simplify things a little bit if we're moving into a new year let's simplify our life in christ all the looking for what i'm called to do and the grace and the the titles and all that stuff can we just lay it down Can we just pick up our cross this morning? So the gospel is good news for our past. It continues to be good news for the future. And it will remain that way for all eternity. In Revelation 14, there's an angel that goes around declaring the everlasting gospel to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. What is he declaring? The everlasting gospel. Have you been separated to the gospel this morning? There's literally an angel who wants to go forth and preach to every person who dwells on the earth the everlasting gospel. He's not preaching the next greatest, latest movement of God. He's preaching the everlasting gospel. I just want to be really simple, really clear this morning. I know it may sound, well, Brandon, you're saying the same thing. I know. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? The same thing. The gospel is for your past. It's for your present. It's for your future. So what are your future plans with the gospel? What are you planning for next year concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is your revelation of the gospel? What is your revelation of the cross? Maybe our plans for January, the whole month of January, probably the, the whole year. But in January, maybe we focus in on the cross and the gospel and its implications in our lives. So why does Paul go around the churches that he planted there's believers why do we think why do we suppose he goes there and he preaches the gospel again and again i think it's pretty simple i think he does that because if we're not rooted and grounded in the gospel if we're not reminded of it daily then we will shipwreck our faith we will okay brandon prove it give me an example okay Look in Acts 6, there's the story of the deacons being ordained, and there's a man named Nicholas. He was ordained as a deacon, loved the Lord. Well, fast forward to Revelation 2, and Jesus has some issues with the church, specifically the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So the people that the Lord confronts in Revelation 2 in the church, the Nicolaitans, you rewind, that's the same people in Acts 6. It started with one man who started out with the gospel, started out well, all of a sudden he takes his hand at sanctification, and all of a sudden in Revelation 2, the Lord Jesus has a confrontation with him. Look it up. It's in there. So the Holy Spirit is faithful to us this morning to remind us to keep us steady, to keep us centered, to keep us grounded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants us to take our hands off of some things. Let Him work, let Him move, let Him do His thing. Turn with me to Galatians 3. This is another example that we all are probably familiar with. And so my, just kind of, this is, some of this stuff is just kind of my Bible study, my time with the Lord. I just ask questions. I love asking questions, so I'm just kind of, part of this is just letting you guys in on what, Maybe my interior life looks like. So what happened to making much of the gospel? What happened to a man named Nicholas in Acts 6 to travel all the way down to Revelation 2 and he started a group called the Nicolaitans who are no longer serving the Lord? Galatians 3. And before we even read this, if you read Galatians 2, Paul rebukes Peter over an issue of whom he can eat with and whom he cannot eat with and he calls him out and he says to verse 14 but when i saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel so even peter has some tendencies just to just want to take over like yeah i get the gospel i see it, the cross i get it but let me just kind of do my thing here even he had tendencies where paul had to tell him hey you're not straightforward with the truth of the gospel I mean, he could have said, like, hey, you know, Peter, there's an Old Testament scripture that talks about, you know, whom you can eat with and whom you can't. Like, just go read that scripture. He could have, he could have been nice about it. But he literally says, no, you're not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. a foolish Galatians, who has, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose... Eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. In other words, he's saying, Who has tricked you from believing the gospel? Who has tricked you from believing the cross? Verse 2 This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So what happens to making much of the gospel? Sometimes our relationship with the Holy Spirit, for some of us, it may have changed. You began with Him. You're walking with Him. And then something shifted. Something's not the same anymore. You used to spend time with the Holy Spirit. You should spend time with the Lord, but then a little pressure comes, life gets a little busy, things get a little crazy, so what happens? We try our hand at sanctification. We try our hand at getting things right and back in order. He says in verse 3, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So if we want to obtain perfection in Christ, if we want to walk with God and obtain everything He has for us, I would say probably the primary enemy to us walking in the fullness of God and what He has for us is self. It is self. If you want to walk in the fullness of what God has for you, It's clear you walk in the Spirit. If you want to defeat sin in your life, you walk in the Spirit. If you want to do works of righteousness in your life, you walk in the Spirit. If you want to pray, if you want to evangelize, whatever it is, you pick it. Whatever you're called to do, walking in the Spirit, staying steady with Him because Part of the role and primary responsibility of the the Holy Spirit is that I've been learning this. And I wouldn't even say a part of it. This is primary. We, do we know how zealous the Holy Spirit is for the cross and for the gospel? Have you thought about that? Think about the Holy Spirit. Ask him, Holy Spirit, what do you think about the gospel? What do you think about Jesus? Let's do that. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes for a second. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him, what does he think about the cross? What does he think about the gospel? Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the gospel. Would you make much of it to our hearts? Would you separate us again to the gospel? Would you make this a community that is gospel centered? Would you bring back Gospel praying, gospel preaching, gospel teaching, gospel-centered counseling, gospel-centered discipling. A.B. Simpson says this, he says, The cross that Paul speaks about was burned into his very flesh, was branded into his being, And only the Holy Spirit can burn the true cross into our innermost being. So if we have it in our hearts this morning saying, Lord, I want to make much of the gospel in my life. I want to be separated to the gospel of Jesus Christ today, moving into a new year. I want this to be the main thing in my life. And yes, there are many other things you're doing, but this is the lightning rod of your voice then we have to look to the Holy Spirit. He is most ze- There's no one more zealous for Jesus than the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John gave us what the Holy Spirit would do. Jesus said, he will take of what is mine and declare it to? He will teach you. He will comfort you. He will counsel you. What do you think, he's, what do you think the Holy Spirit is going to counsel you and teach you into? Here it is. Maybe in Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. Maybe he will counsel you. Maybe he will teach you your way toward the cross. Maybe he will teach you in gospel truth, in gospel faith, and believing. So another question. So what does it look like in our daily life? for the gospel to sanctify us? What does it look like in our daily life for the gospel to sustain us? I know we get it that years ago it saved us, but now moving forward today, here, now, and in the future, what does it mean for the gospel to sustain you, the gospel to keep you? What does it mean for it to sanctify you? I think it's very simple. Once again, I'm just going to simplify things. For the gospel to sustain you and to sanctify you, it comes through relationship. I was thinking about this. Lord, how does the gospel sanctify us? How does it sustain us? And I'm thinking of like all these things. And then I read, hold on, I just read Galatians 3. I've begun in the spirit, being perfected in the flesh. Hold on, let's go back here. I don't need a to do list of one, two, three, four, five on how it sanctifies me and sustains me. There's just one way it's through relationship. Your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, your time with Jesus, cannot be replaced. It cannot be replaced. I've tried it, it doesn't work. In my time here, being a part of this ministry, I get fired up, and I just hear this word and I, at the conference, and I'm ready to go home, and just like, I'm about to blow up. I'm ready to go. And what does it look like? Going home, getting in the word, spending time with the Lord. Jesus tells us, he tells us where our Father is at. He's in the secret place. So how's your time in the secret place been? I know all of us will probably say, well, by, the, you know, the year's ending, so it just got a little crazy. New year coming, I want to make it a priority. Do it. I want to encourage you this morning, do it. Nothing can replace time with the Lord. We can We can, you know, counseling sessions, you know, deliverance sessions, you know, what you, classes, whatever, we can do it all. We can try it all. We're going we're gonna to do it anyways. We're going for it. But if you're not spending time with the Lord, if the Holy Spirit is not leading you up to the cross, we'll be a dog chasing its tail. I just think about taking the cross. You know, Jesus tells us, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me, taking your cross, taking your Bible, and just going home and sitting down with the Holy Spirit. Just sit down with Him. Let Him speak to you. Let Him guide you. Let Him direct you. I just, I feel it in my spirit. There's so much wandering. And we look into this, and we look into that thing, and, oh, what about that truth, and this truth, and just, we just kind of touch everything. We don't, go, we don't go deep in anything. We just kind of touch it. And we move on so quickly, and the Holy Spirit wants us to sit and w- to remain. So what is your revelation of the gospel? What is your revelation of the cross? I've been thinking lately about what the, what the gospel has done in my life. One of the, To me personally, one of the greatest revelations that I have had in my life came out of Romans 6. hands down, came out of Romans 6. I had been saved for a couple of years. I'm a Christian. I'm living in sin. I'm I'm wrestling through, trying to figure out, like, just, just be a good person. Just read your word and pray, and I don't know, maybe, you know, somehow, miraculously, you'll just get out of your sin, and you'll get out of your struggles and just kind of move on from it, whatever. Then I had an encounter with Romans 6, talking about how can you who, die to sin, live in it any longer. And the Lord began to show me that my relationship with sin, with self, and with Satan had been changed. So every morning you wake up, you remember your relationship with sin, with yourself, and with the Satan has changed. It's not the same as it used to be before you got saved. You have been dislodged from its hold. So the Lord began to show me Romans 6, and I'm, literally there, I'm sitting in the room, and just I have to preach Romans 6 to myself. I remember uh, Jeremiah did a teaching on it, and he's sitting there talking, and I'm like, what do you mean like, I've died to sin? What do you mean the sin nature in me has, has been rendered dead? Think about it. Think about it in your life. The sin nature in you has been rendered dead. It is not alive. It is in the grave. It has ceased. I don't know what other way to put it. It is dead. So, for you to produce sin doesn't make sense because the sin nature in you is dead. That's what the gospel says. I know you may think differently, but the gospel says it that sin nature in you is dead. And then you've been raised to life. By the Holy Spirit, you've been raised to life. Now you do works of righteousness. So now what you should be producing is works of righteousness. Your relationship with sin, self, and Satan has forever been changed. Now you're a new creation in Christ, And let me add, I know it says new, but it doesn't mean that we're mature. I know I like to think that I'm fully mature, but the Lord will tell me, no, you're not. But I'm new, and so my relationship with myself has changed. Now myself is up on the cross, so my desires, my will, my thoughts, all, all the things that I want, it's hanging on the cross in God's desires. His ways, His thoughts begin to flood through me. Maybe you can... So Romans 6 totally, totally transformed and changed my life. <clears throat> and, and recently I've been looking at some of these scriptures and they've been rubbing me the wrong way. And I read it before, uh, maybe a month or so ago, a couple months ago, and before a service... But I want to read some scriptures in the book of Psalms. It says this it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. That's Psalm one hundred three two. Psalm sixty eight nineteen. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. In Psalm 116, 12, What shall I give back to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? Have you thought about the benefits of the gospel of Jesus in your life? When I first read these, I would try to sit down with it, and I'm like, Lord, I feel uncomfortable. Your benefits in my life, uh, I kind of want to do it myself. But there are benefits in the gospel. There are things that are available to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may say, well, brother, that's Old Testament. Book of Psalms is Old Testament. New Testament, Ephesians, Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 2 Peter, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life And godliness. Colossians, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, and you are complete in him. So, our plans for 2019, for next year, is the gospel. That is the answer for your life in Christ. That is the answer for your family. That is the answer for the city of Lakeland. That is the answer for Heart of the Father. The gospel is the answer for the church. If we just get back to the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ, not only him dying for our sins, but us dying to our sins. Jesus was not the only one who did all the work on the cross. He did some work, and then he said, okay, now get up here with me. I think that's probably one of the most profound revelations in, in the Bible. It's Galatians 2. Galatians 2, Paul says, not Jesus has been crucified for me. He didn't say that. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I know we love Jesus dying for our sins on the cross. But maybe we need to see again. I have been crucified with Christ. Stand with me. Say it with me a couple of times. I have been crucified with Christ. One more time. I have been crucified with Christ. I asked Allison to sing this song, so we'll just sing it together, and then we'll close. i we just close our eyes for a second. If there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know Jesus, anyone in here who just feels the tug on their heart, who feels the Lord drawing them in this morning to give your life to Him, just want to give you an opportunity to do that. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Anyone feeling a drawing of the Holy Spirit? Anyone? I know we can feel God's presence, but this is more than just feeling His presence. This is giving your life to Him. This is what's right. This is what's good. This is what is is acceptable to God. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your cross. We thank you for your son. And so if that was you, if you raised your hand this morning, I'd love to chat with you for a second get to know you. There's more for us as a community. We must become a gospel-centered community. We must be willing and ready to share with others what God has done in us. And so Leah came up to me. If you guys know Leah Axe, she's a little fireball. So she's going to give us a closing exhortation. And she's going to pray for us.